Alright, there we go. Let me just have a look at these notes as well. Sweet, delicious notes. Sources of memory. <laughs> <laughs> How am I supposed to remember this shit? What's the story, everyone? Shane here. And I'm Adam. And welcome to Mutually Watching Anything. The podcast where we'll pretty much watch anything. Any old shite. And today we watched Lara Croft, Tomb Raider. And this is our second take because it was so difficult to structure our thoughts after watching this the first time. Yeah, so uh, I'll read the wiki entry here. So Lara Croft Tomb Raider, simply known as Tomb Raider. It's all coming back to me. Oh, is it? It's a 2001 action-adventure film based on the Tomb Raider video game series featuring Lara Croft, the main character, portrayed by Angelina Jolie. This was an international co-production between US, UK, Japan, and can you remember what the last one was? Oh yes, it's the prestigious Mutual Film Company. It was the Mutual Film Company. A name so bland, it that completely fits. It, it's, it's great, it really is. It's, oh. Okay, so. Because you see, film is a collaborative medium, art, and that's why they chose that name. You think they would have like come up with like synergy or something even more businessy generic? Synergy Film Company. Mm, it doesn't quite have the ring of mutual film company. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and this was directed by Simon West, the guy who did The Expendables Two. So he's got a track record of shite. <laughs> yeah, a track record of not so good. Okay, so basically, Lara. Do you want to try and run through the plot of the movie, or do you want me to do it? I think you should do it. All right, I'll do it. So basically, the plot is Lara Croft, famous video game character. She's trying to basically get over the death of her father, in a way. And then she comes up against the Illuminati, as they say in the movie. Not Illuminati, the Illuminati. She finds a clock in her room, and then, not even a room, like a stairs under her fucking house. And this clock has a weird magical eye, the all-seeing eye, like the Illuminati. And this is going, supposedly, due to this, and also the, what was it, the planetary alignment? Oh, you better believe there was a lot of planetary alignment in this movie. And a lot of 5,000-year prophecy. Yeah. (laughs) So the planetary alignment, every 5,000 years, they would align in a certain way, and if they activated this I, all-seeing eye at this exact moment they would have the power over time itself i don't even know what to say <laughs> exactly they have this whole exposition about where uh in the past these i don't want to call them monks but they're basically old kind of mayan based kind of like the incas nearly and they created this clock thing could it could have even been the the Aztecs? It could have been the was it the Aztecs? I don't fucking remember. It's one of those. <laughs> it's one of those random ancient societies, and what essentially is they tr- blew up their own town because they couldn't control the triangle. So as long as well as the five thousand years, the planetary alignment, the word triangle is overused to death in this fucking movie, and it's not really a triangle because a triangle is a flat two D shape. <laughs> it's more of a prism. Yeah, there's even an adorable bit where the main villain says to Lara Croft, Lara, do you have my triangle? And he says it exactly like that, like a little baby man. 
So the main characters, obviously, so Lara Croft is played by Angelina Jolie, who looks like she was hired purely because she's got massive tits. And her excellent pouting. Her excellent pouting and also her purely awful British accent. So, like, it's like she heard the most generic old UK movie and went, I can do that, mate. (laughs) Uh, Then we've got Daniel Craig is her so-and-so love interest and rival Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider is an occupation. You essentially... It's as it's described. It's a tomb raider. You go in, you nick the shit from a tomb. It's like Indiana Jones, but without any credibility. <laughs> Pretty much. And he's in it for the money. And he also pouts a lot. Yeah, he also and he also has a very, very bad American accent. Like, he goes stereotypical. somewhere in the Brooklyn area. Yeah, it's a very ger- generic New York, Brooklyn area accent. And then we got the main villain of the story, who is Lord Friendzone from Game of Thrones. I can't remember what his name is, but in this he's called... Oh. Oh, oh you're, you can say it. Do you want me to say it? You can say it this time. It's called Manfred Power, or for short, Manpower. So Lara Croft's great enemy in this movie is Manpower. Feminism, right? Uh, yeah, so basically, the movie's shit. I'll run through some of the main bits. You got anything you want to add, Adam? Oh, God. Did we already say mutual film <laughs> company? <laughs> All right, so basically, there's a lot of... This movie's based off shitty action scenes with generic 2000s like music that they could get the copyright info for oh yeah there's a lot of that and a lot of like um outdated music cues that they can just buy online i believe (laughs) yeah so like they've got everything so like last time we went through the uh jason one we kind of had a bit more time for prep and we were going through the whole story beats you don't need to know the story beats for this because with the jason movie it's like oh we're going from death to death to death to death to death in this movie, you're going from action piece to action piece to action piece. So, like, you start off with the action piece in her own virtual simulation. Yeah, it looks like it's in an Egyptian tomb, but then a robot comes out and she fights it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty accurate. Like, And I, I really was hoping that it wasn't a simulation, but no, it just can't be that way anymore. And then she plays her party mix on it. Oh, yeah, and it was pretty pretty bad she has bad music taste it's like they heard like so you know around the 2000s era there was like that kind of i don't even know if it was that late it was like fat boy split slim that kind of generic um just like pumping techno babble yeah it's just utter shite and she like every single fight scene is this so you get that she finds the eye she's like oh let's see what this is brings it to some random horologist or it's a guy who's really into clocks and that's his gimmick. He likes clocks. And he's like, no, stay away from this. And he's like, oh no, go meet up with Manfred Power. Yeah, he like, first he's like, oh, you, I don't know nothing. But then he drinks a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, oh, gotta get a plot. Lara, you should go meet Manfred Power. And Manfred Power's cover is that he is a lawyer who is obsessed with clocks. Yeah. It's a great cover. Like I kind of wish that was his main motivation and not a cover. So that he just loves clocks. He just loves clocks. He doesn't work for the Illuminati. He's just like the most avid clock collector in the whole world. Yes. Describing <laughs> in great detail how much he loves clocks. Alright, so once we do that, Manfred Power sends his gang of goons to Lara's house where she's like practicing her bungee jump acrobatics. Yeah, just right there in the living room. She's got like bungee cords 
just to flip around and listen to classical music. I take it back. She does have good music taste. Yeah, it's weird. It's like so, like her taste is like kind of classical, but the movie's like it's eclectic. She yeah. likes a lot of different things. She also likes short tops and very tight tops, and also very short shorts and kind of coniish bras. Yeah. The, it looks like they made an effort to try and make her look like the pixelated version of herself from the video game. A little bit. Uh, so once you have that, she does the fight. She ends up losing. Well, she she wins her thing, but like everyone else is kind of lost, and she loses her clock. Yeah, poor Lara. Lara doesn't have much hope. Then you get more generic crap, and then like there's there's a lot of shite in the middle. So. They point out throughout this movie how shit some of the villains' lines are. <laughs> like they're like, "Oh, hamming it up," and then there's this British guy who works for Lara. He's like, he's basically the science expert, and he's the most generic, most fucking stereotypical Brit ever. He's like, a lot of smashing and a lot of bugger is said in this movie. Yeah, he's like, you, you you play a lot of drinking games if you really wanted to. Yeah, if you wanted to get like properly fucked, just play the smashing, the bugger drinking game the planetary alignment 5000 year prophecy drinking game and the triangle drinking game you'll get right off your tits uh so basically you have all this lara having her whole thing is like oh my dad's dead blah 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 blah. there's always a shitty backstory in this you know uh so then there's a lot of other stuff going on there's my favorite we forgot to mention my favorite bit Lara Croft on her motorbike firing the gun at her at bad guys in her own house. Oh yeah, that was like I don't I don't even have a brain anymore. I really <laughs> don't know. They're like, fuck it, we don't care. We're just gonna keep going going. You know, she she's a badass. She uses a microwave to cook her food. She puts her feet up when she wants in public places. And then so like very convenient for Lara. Her dad sent her a letter. Which she finds in a book and which she cuts out the back of. And he's like, I knew you'd find this, Lara. I just knew because you're my daughter. So basically, it tells her to go to Cambodia. He's like, You know that place where I've got this one specific flower? The, I think, I believe it's jasmine. Yeah. The jasmine like, flower. This can only be found in this certain part of Cambodia. Go there and you will find. One half of the triangle. <laughs> Fucking triangles. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, go, keep going. And so the triangle, oh, shit's going on. So she arrives there. She drops out of the sky from a helicopter in a parachuted jeep. Multiple parachutes. It was so dumb. And then she takes like this giant back road while at the same time Manfred Power, and Daniel Craig... And a load of Cambodians are trying to tear the door off this, like, temple or something. Yeah. But meanwhile, Lara, she sees a little girl. Yeah. And then she just finds a back entrance that they didn't see. And I kind of want to give them credit. They're working on a tight schedule, the bad guys. If they don't get this right, they won't be able to try again for another 5,000 years. So maybe they didn't have time to look around. Yeah, Daniel Craig's got another few Bond films to film. <laughs> yeah. So we have all this. They come into this big giant open area and they're like, oh no. There's like, so you have to move. So it was basically like a Vishnu god or something like that, wasn't it? Like a statue? 
Yeah, it ha and it has like an incredibly elaborate lock for you to get the other piece of the triangle thing. Here's the problem I have. How do all these great ancient societies always have these elaborate locks? Oh, but I think this elaborate lock takes the cake. It's like they have to take the swords from the Vishnu statue, put them in the locks, which then starts a swing needle going back and forth, and they have to wait for it to pick up enough speed so it actually reaches and hits the lock. But it only got the speed because Lara was riding it like a surfboard. <laughs> yeah, she's she speeded things up, thank God. And then, but it seems like it would be way, way, way more like convenient to just like take the front off the big spike yoke, and then just put it in. Yeah. This movie doesn't think very well. Yeah, but it's okay. We we don't have to think. No. I mean, we had to do two takes just to <laughs> put this together. It's kind of a weird movie, so it's so dumb. Like, so Jason takes Manhattan. There's a clear plot. But it's just basically kill, kill, kill. You follow that. This one, it just jumps from location to action scene to action scene. And it's hard to follow because it kind of all blends in together. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it doesn't really take itself seriously, at least. No, it was good crack. Like, it wasn't mad. So. So then after they use the lock to get the triangle bit, they awaken the stone gargoyles <laughs> and the stone spearmen. And I don't think they were able to kill a single actual person. They were useless when awakened. Yeah, like, they would, like, Lara would kick one once, and it would explode into bits. Which kind of makes sense, because they've been there for thousands of years. I imagine they're not very stable. But they can be brought back to life <laughs> by goo. C CG PS2 looking goo. Oh, man, like, this, like, this sort of goo is where the triangle, one half of the triangle... I feel bad every time I say triangle it sounds so dumb but that's what this movie is they always say the word fucking triangle so there's a, like PS2 era what you'd nearly expect in the actual Lara Croft games and then like they grab it and then all this goo reignites and then you get the big giant Vishnu monster who's about like what 20 foot tall or something like that and then he attacks and Lara's is like fuck it I'll just pistol this shit out of it and then she drop kicks the elaborate lock which then spikes it and kills it. Yeah, it's like the most anticlimactic finish. It's like, oh, what we do, we'll just fucking do this stupid. To be yeah. fair to her. In fairness, all of this schlocky stuff is pretty in line with the games. It is, yeah. like Supernatural beings, monsters coming back to life. Elaborate locks and puzzles. The only thing she doesn't do in this movie, really, is like kill like hundreds of people. Does she kill anybody? I'm not sure. I don't think she ever killed She killed anybody. Manfred at the end, does she? That's the one. I think that's about one. We'll get to that. That's a weird death you know, in she, She's actually more, like, likable now. Because she kills so... No one. Yeah, she pretty much kills nobody in this movie. It's uh, not like, oh, I'm sympathetic for this mass murderer. You know what I mean? Uh, so then, after that, we get... Lara's confronted by Daniel Craig on the side of a waterfall. And then we also get generic 2000s, I'm going to jump, we'll have a fucking conversation about this, and then I'm going to jump off a waterfall. And so she does. Yeah, it's like, you're going to die in that scenario. There's like loads of rocks around waterfalls. You jump off a waterfall, you're more than likely going to smash your head off one. Uh, so then after that, we get, she's like, oh, I'm going to have to work with Manfred so that I can find the other half of the triangle. You know, you might say... It's a mutual partnership. You could say that, but who fucking cares? 
<laughs> like she meets up in Venice, which is a, was it Venice or Rome? Venice. And then she meets up with him. She's like, "Oh look, we're the Illuminati. <laughs> We've got all these chairs in a big church. We've got this one room where we all meet." Which just so happens to have a big triangle with the eye in the middle of it that Lara can throw a knife at. And then we get a great scene with Daniel Craig in the shower. Because we got a scene in the beginning with um, Lara in the shower. You get a bit of side boob if that's what you're after. But then we get to see Daniel Craig's rippling abs and pecs. And then he answers the door and there's a landlady who he exposes himself to. And then he turns back. And written in the condensation of the shower is the word traitor. And then Lara is there. I think that's a good touch, you know. It's totally stupid and pointless. But it's like, maybe that's something she'd do. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I forgot about the bit where she goes into the town with all the monks. Oh, yeah. And she's conveniently finds the one monk who knew her father from years ago. So this doesn't make much sense to me. So what are we saying that Lara's father also randomly fell through a waterfall and just randomly straight up on this town and just so happened to meet this one monk who was a youngster at that time and is now like the grand master monk uh, <laughs> and then he gives her some magic tea which heals her wounds like instantly yeah that wasn't really necessary like it's like generic kind of like she's like she's got like deadpool's healing factor <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, like, it's not used later in the film. Like, she doesn't use it to, like, heal herself again. Or yeah, whatever. I feel like that should have been used on Daniel Craig. Yeah, when he gets him killed. Yeah, but they don't care about this. So then she meets up, she meets up at the base of Man for Power, and she's like, all right, we got to work together. And then she turns up looking like Neo or something with her sunglasses and her long coat. Yeah, and her lycra outfit. Yeah, so then they go off to this big... Where initially where the Mayans or wherever they were were from. No, it's, it's actually much more elaborate. Is it? I can't remember. It's like first they fly there, then they go on boats <laughs> oh, yeah. to Siberia, this is where they are. And then they get doggy slaves. Oh doggy slaves. And remember what the British guy says? <laughs> we buy all your doggies. <laughs> we buy all your doggies. Yeah. And then they reach the climax of the film, finally. Yeah, so we've got a big thing, and they're like, all right, there's this giant structure that's supposed to be, like, reminiscent of, like, the planetary alignment. I described it here as a planetary jungle gym, <laughs> or a, one of those total wipeout challenges. Yeah, that's the thing, like, how did the my how did these people have this technology to build this random thing? It's like how, you know, Newgrange, but way, way, way more advanced. <laughs> yeah, and it's in Siberia some reason yeah i don't know why it's inside i think it's the whole snow thing is because like oh they fucked up everything with the explosion and then lara and daniel craig are just like let's climb it let's do it and then the henchmen join them and then get immediately smushed in between the planets moving around it's just so lame yeah but remember like lara actually gets the the big clock thing in the end and she teleports and then she teleports back with the other half of the triangle yeah and like she, and then like, uh, what's his fucking face? Uh, Manfred is like, all right, I've got the two halves of the triangle. I'm gonna put them together. Oh no, you're missing the bit where he just abruptly betrays the leader of the Illuminati. Oh, yeah. The guy is like making a big speech after five thousand years, finally, and then Manfred Power just like 
Oh, enough of this. <laughs> He's so generic villain. Yeah, so he tries to put the triangles together. He's like, oopsie daisy's not working. She's, he's like, Lara, you tell me what to do. And she's like, blah, 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 no. So, she kill, so he kills Daniel Craig. Yeah, and it's really like, there's like no dramatic music or whatever. Because I guess you know, obviously, he's going to be brought back to life using time control powers. Yeah, it's very Prince of Persia, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's the one thing Lara Croft games were missing. Time travel. Time travel mechanics. So, like, because, like, the whole death scene of uh, Daniel Craig is, it's so strung out, like, it takes forever. And he's, like, drowning at one point, and she's trying to, like, resuscitate him, give him, like, mouth to mouth on their water. But I'm like, you could have just killed him. Had the same effect. And then Lara saves the day and goes back in time. It seemed pointless. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty accurate. So, like, Lara throws the original clock into one of these time fuck-up things, which separates the clock, which I don't know why she couldn't just smash it. I feel like she did that earlier, that worked. Why couldn't she just smash this? I noticed when she smashed the first clock, she was, like, just a tangent. She was, like, licking her the inside <laughs> of her mouth like she was aroused. Yeah, like, she... She's a freaky girl. They're trying to over-sexualize her anyway because that's what the game was. And they're like, all right, lads, you're going to have to bite us. We're going to get her giant tits and you are gonna go see it lads right if this was your sexual awakening film give it a like <laughs> so what happens after that is she goes and basically she he, your man puts the two triangles together and the little bitch he finds big time bubble happens and then they both run up the side of a giant triangle pyramid to try and reach <laughs> there's a triangle motif in this film in case you didn't guess they run up basically whoever gets there first gets the control of time powers Lara Croft meets her da and is like this is me from the past but you from the present we can now talk and then they have their heart to heart like Lara gets over the death of her father you know like she that arc I guess it's an arc isn't it comes full full circle you could say that (laughs) you could say that and then she goes back in time which I think that was the only bit of CGI I kind of liked was when she went back in time and it was like kind of slow motion, uh, kind of like rewind. And she turns the knife. This is a big problem I have with this. She turns the knife, which is going towards Daniel Craig, and she points back at the thing. So she has the handle on it. She has one grip on the handle. Then she grabs the blade <laughs> to try and spin it. There was plenty more room on that blade, (laughs) on that handle, where she didn't have to cut her hand. She could have probably just spun that and not cut the fucking shit out of her hand. Well, I think they were trying to convey that she's struggling, you know? But then you have, like, the really mellow, just music playing in the background while she's doing it. No tension at all. It's just going... (laughs) So she ends up pointing the knife back at Manfred. Manfred then gets stabbed and he's like, I've been defeated. But then he's like, as they're leaving. He's like, Laura, wait, I uh, I killed your father. And then this is a great bit. We get a flash of him, Manfred Power and Laura's dad on a mountain in the middle of nowhere. And that's where he decided to kill Laura's dad. Yeah. It's like they saw every kind of like big dramatic moment on the side of a cliff. Kind of like, you know... It's like he was telling Lars that we're going to go to a trip to the mountains. I want you to see from the very top. And then, phew, dead. All the, all that light covers is ours. <laughs> but, so that's pretty much that. And then you... 
Lara's like, oh no, I've got to escape because she left herself in there when this whole place, once the whole eye of all-seeing eye does the shit, the time power, the whole building starts to collapse. Not even building, temple. So like she hangs back to deal with man for power who's basically baiting the shit out of her. Yeah, this is her way of getting a catharsis for her father's death. She needs that closure. Yeah. So then she's like, oh no. But then conveniently when she's escaped, she's like, oh look, some of the doggos stay there. Yeah. And they left a, a board just wide enough that I can surf my way out of here while the doggos pull me. Yeah, you know. And then she kind of smiles while she's doing it, you know. She's having fun. But like they cut all the tension because as soon as this, she goes through a tunnel. Cut straight, she's back in England in her gaff. Yeah, you know, the whole film was pretty, like, inconsequential. Yeah, like, that's I mean, what it's, it's not like the Illuminati were going to control time itself, you know, big whoop. Yeah, like, it just feels but like... I, but I'm just kidding, like, I, <laughs> if it took itself seriously, that would have been a real downer. Yeah, like, it, it, it knew what it was, which was a fucking dumb, stupid action movie, and it was enjoyable, there was enough stupidity, the graphics were bad enough. I see graphics, it's a CGI. It looks like the PS2. It does look like, because this came out in 2001, so it kind of, it lines up with the PS2 era. And then also, once she cuts back to her house, she's like, oh, she's all dressed up like a lady. But then, oh no, she's not a lady. The robots have been activated again. She's going to have her training. But what's on? what does the butler have, Adam? What does the butler have in his tray, Shane? Oh yes, what does he have? He has two guns. <laughs> the Lara Croft pistols. And then we get the final shot of her just posing with the guns about to fight the robot in her living room. And then it cuts to like generic 2000 rock. No, was it that? Or was it like Fatboy Slim? It was something like that. It's the. It's that song for anyone out there that goes, Where's your. Oh, baby? yeah. That's what it is. So that pretty much sums up that movie. So overall, I enjoyed it because it was dumb and I knew it was dumb. And it didn't, it didn't try to act smart. But it was a bad movie. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's a few cute dialogue bits. You know, it seems like everybody's having a bit of fun, at least. I give it a, I don't know, like, how slim, the slimmest of passes. <laughs> so the thing is, like, I wouldn't watch this movie by yourself. This movie is definitely something you have to watch with mates. Because if you watch this yourself, you'll be contemplating a, why did you decide to do this? B, why is this a thing? And C, will video game movies ever have hope? <laughs> no. So, like, that's another that's the thing that I want to talk about. Before we talk about anything else, I want to talk about video game movies in general because they're all shit. The mm. only good ones are ones that are not based off actual games. So, like, uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. That's a, that's a good movie, but I think that's more just because it's an Edgar Wright movie. But it's based on a video game. It's based on your typical side-scroller, kind of over-the-top, 8-bit, pixelated shit. You've got... I watched that Jumanji movie a while ago. And it's yeah. kind of like a modern version of this. But... So I, I kind of compare it to... You know, like Jurassic World. It's like, once you don't think about Jurassic World, it's actually an alright movie. Like, as soon as you start thinking about Jurassic World, it just falls to pieces. This is kind of similar, but you can kind of excuse it falling to pieces because it's a video game. So they're like, oh, why aren't these villains doing this? And they're like, I guess it's AI. You can kind of, but I think that's you, me making my own excuses for the movie that kind of fit in the world. Yeah, it's just kind of like video game movies. What, what's the usual argument I can just 
spiel out here. It's like, oh, it's a different video games are a different medium. It's more interactive than a film. You play as the character and whatever. Yeah, like for a good video game movie, you need basically just based off the world. And the only thing you can really do is like, everyone says it's Bioshock, isn't it? Like, give it like, who's who did everyone say? Oh, give Guillermo del Toro Bioshock. That's what everyone always says. Yeah. It's like the, he did Shape of Water. You could. He no, could, that was okay, I guess. Yeah, yeah Shape of Water. Was, that's another thing. It's it's a bit overrated, Shape of Water. Like I I enjoyed it. It's okay. It's like it's nothing amazing. The effects are really cool. But like, also oh, we're never we're never reviewing another fucking video game movie again. Really, but that's like so many. I thought we were supposed to watch anything. <laughs> so like, all right. I don't mind doing. I don't want to do any more modern or shitty ones at the moment. So like, I don't want to do Assassin's Creed. I don't want to do Prince of Persia. I I don't mind doing like eighties Mortal, nineties Mortal Kombat movies. No, you want to do Annihilation, do you? Oh Jesus, not Annihilation. And then what was that? What was that comic book weird type movie we watched? Um, oh that Netflix thing. What was it fucking called? All I can think of was Steven Seagal. Movies. <laughs> yeah, we watched a lot of shitty Steven Seagal. Um, and that one movie. How many Steven Seagal movies have you seen which are made over the time? Oh, about five. Oh, Jesus, five. Too fucking many. That's right. I love them. <laughs> Do you actually like Steven Seagal? Or you just like the idea of how shit his movies are? Well, I not, I don't love him as a person. I love him as a, as a personality. So he's like a meme to you, nearly. Yeah. All right. Uh, so that's pretty much our Tomb Raider thing. I think we can now go on to other shite. So okay. I'm trying to think of what other stuff I'd watch this week. So I'm do- I'm starting my Marvel rewatch, which I'm already regretting because I had to watch the Hulk last night. Yeah, I saw that. So I'd never seen the Hulk. It was the only Marvel movie I'd never seen in my life. I'd actually seen that. Movie Have you seen the with in in the cinema? You I saw was, it in the cinema when I was a little kid. Damn, that was like ten years ago now. Yeah. So what, you would have been like 13 or something? About that. So I was no, watching... Don't tell people my age. No, well, you can cut that bit out then. <laughs> I will delete... Bleep it. I will delete this. Just bleep it. So, uh... I don't know how to do bleeps. I'll just just put a sound it. file in. <laughs> Alright, you can just delete it. You can cut that one bit. So basically, uh... The thing about the Hulk is, it doesn't fit any of the other Marvel movies. Like, it's completely... Like, doesn't Samuel Jackson show up at the end? No, Tony Stark does Oh, right. so the whole thing is like every Marvel movie kind of has this plot formula has this kind of lightheartedness, sense of hope in it and there's a bit of humour this movie has no dr- is just very dreary you get like maybe one joke trying to have Edward Norton as a kind of I don't want to say friendly villain but a kind of relatable one Edward Norton's a bit of a dick in real life and he plays everything so serious but that's why like movies like American History X and like Fight Club work because he's very serious where in this, he's like, uh, yeah. But I didn't mind the plot. The problem I had was, it looked, the movie felt like it saw X-Men 2, or like X-Men 1, the original one from like 2000. Mm. And it was like, oh, we're going to follow this kind of dark and dreary plot. Also, the villains are fucking stupid. It's just like, oh, generic army guy. You mean Tim Roth. Oh, Tim Roth as well. Is like, I'm an angry guy. And then he turns into a big monster man. Yeah, but he still, he has a still talk for some reason. What's it called? Abomination, I think his name is. Yeah. And it's just like, and then you, the graphics, like, I keep saying graphics, 
but it's so bad because it's 2008 and you can still it looks it's better than Tomb Raider it's better than Tomb Raider yeah but that's not hard it very (laughs) much reminded me you know that kind of fight at the end of like Batman v Superman with like um, Doomsday oh that they're big giant monsters that are just fucking each other up but you're like I don't care because none of these characters feel like they have a consequence the problem is because they replace Edward Norton with um, Mark Ruffalo in the future I don't really care about him because I know he's not going to be doing anything in the future. Because like this, Mark Ruffalo, Bruce Banner and Hulk feels like a completely different character than Edward Norton. But it's the same universe. It's kind of a weird thing. Yeah. Until you watched all the other Marvel movies. How I've, far are you? I've got watched three. I've watched Iron Man 1, Hulk and Iron Man 2. How's Iron Man 2? Oh, two? it's fucking awful. Like... <laughs> Oh, him and his board he needs to save his board I want my board before I make this thing <laughs> that's Mickey Rourke talking yeah Yeah, that's just Mickey Rourke and then you've got um, Sam Rockwell is like I gotta we'll give you your bird and you make us a Tony Stark I remember when I, I was on holiday when I saw this I was like I think we had like a DVD version of it and it just my par- like my, my mom and my brother were like oh, this is way better than Iron Man 1. And I'm just there like, you're fucking idiots. This movie is shit. And I was like 14 at this stage or something like that. And I'm like, no, it's not good. <laughs> and then like, they have like, they completely replace, um, what's his name? Rhodey. They get in. Rhodey? You know, the guy who plays War Machine. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Don Cheadle is that guy now. <laughs> yeah, they just randomly replace him. They're like, oh, it, it yeah. It used to be like, Terrence Howard? Yeah. Did you ever hear Terryology? No. Terryology is his own science where he thinks he, he does maths completely different. It's like he thinks like one plus one is three and shit like this. He made up his own kind of math system. Oh, is that why he's not in the movies anymore? Cause he no, because like... he wanted more money. Oh, well, that, that's reasonable. <laughs> it's reasonable. But like if he just held out, he would have made way fucking more money in the future. It's like. Edward Norton stopped doing it because he's like, oh, I don't want to be part of a big franchise. I just want to be a one and done type of guy. It's like, you're like, I have respect that you want to do this, but you lost so much fucking money for like the easiest job ever. Yeah, Steve, like, Steve, Steven Seagal could get the Marvel Universe, which is my dream. He'd be a great shitty like henchman. Henchman? Yeah, he's not a main villain. I think he could fit in a Thanos cosplay costume. <laughs> so like you, about. you think of all the villains recently, it's like Michael Keaton and like uh what's your what's your fucking one name from Thor Ragnarok Cape Blanchett yeah you've got these big actors even like Kurt Russell's essentially the villain Guardians of the Galaxy 2 Steven Seagal <laughs> doesn't really fit with the he would imagine he, him holding the power glove oh yeah the infinity gauntlet thing the infinity gauntlet the power glove was the Nintendo yoke wasn't it <laughs> <laughs> we pretty did ads for the they probably did. So, like, he would have fit in in, like, early stage Marvel. Like, say... I'm glad that we're seriously discussing this. <laughs> I ain't got to talk. I don't give a shit. But, like... I demand that you take this Steven Seagal thing seriously for me. Man, I got to find the perfect role for Steven Seagal. He would have fit in, like, Guardians of the Galaxy 1, maybe Thor 2. We've got to find this optimal Steven Seagal placement in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> Somewhere where he doesn't have to try, but he can just karate chop one person in the throat. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, like I'm looking forward to Far Cry next week, and then obviously the last episode 
of Telltale Batman. Oh yeah, that's going to be good. So like we have a gimmick where we only play the game pressing the letter and button Y. Yeah, every single time. No matter how stupid the decision, they just blank say nothing. And we've got this whole fucking lore in the background and it's so dumb. We're the only two to fucking do this weird shit. That's how edgy we are. Yeah, we're the next level, mate. Next level. Alright, so that's the podcast again. No idea what the fuck we're going to watch next time. Probably just like spin a wheel and get a random movie. It's going to be so much fun. <laughs> and so if you want to give us feedback, tell us anything, you know, uh, send us to us on watch underscore anything on Twitter. I'll put all the links in the description of anything we need. You just follow us, give us some feedback, rate us on iTunes or whatnot. And then from there, you know, maybe someday we'll get okay at this. <laughs> By okay, you mean we'll watch anything. I really don't want to watch, like, the fucking China porn or something like that. Well, only if someone sends us the original VHS tape. Oh, yeah. All right, well, until next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.